0: Welcome into District 1 Sports. Mike and Micah back with you for our post-game pod. The Washington football team, they haven't played like it. But somehow, someway, we're in a two, we're we're two and two this season. Wasn't a great game. The defense was still terrible. But one thing that we're sure of, Taylor Heineke is always going to give you a chance So, Michael, before we get into all the specifics of the game, just give me your thoughts on what was a crazy 34-30 win for the Washington football team.
1: So, I kind of went through two main thoughts here, and I still think that they are prevalent even after the game, in a post-game sense that, for one, this team can be exciting and can come back in games, and for two, this team absolutely sucks sometimes. And you kind of see them both, and as a fan, It's interesting to watch because I haven't seen a team be this good and this bad at the same time. Like at times they really execute well and at times they have no idea what they're doing. And it's coming from the opposite sides of the ball here. And that's what makes it the most interesting. We talked about how this defense was supposed to be elite. And it turns out this offense is playing more like a top 15 unit than anything. This defense is, I would consider them the worst in the league, as we've been mentioning for the last week or so. That when you have all this talent and things like that what is the problem here what's going on and you mentioned that you were going to rewatch. um you also mentioned that you know you're kind of watching the secondary things like that and i'm gonna to have to do the same thing too because right now what we're seeing is just a total collapse on all fronts especially in the interior um excuse me not the interior the intermediate parts of the defense and that was prevalent that's what that's what we kind of just like have been like missing and what you're seeing now and especially in this game that you know you love to see that taylor heineke can come back you love to see that he's able to put the ball up there for his playmakers you love to see that he can extend and make plays and you love to see that the playmakers come to play but there's still way too much missing on the defense and that's the biggest takeaway wins are wins two and two is great but what is this team doing on the defensive side is going to allow them to win a game for the next month because we know about this gauntlet now we're here it's go time And I don't think they've shown that they could do it. But a win is a win. 2 and 2 is great. That's what we need it to be. But I'm still really not impressed by this team.
0: So you mentioned it. Yeah, um, the reason we are recording a little bit later, I was so frustrated with how the secondary played. I was able to go and watch the game back immediately. And at this point, remember on our last pod, Michael, we talked about blame players, coaches. I'm at the point now where, If we've seen the same exact thing where we see the same coverage breaks, we see the same uh, miscommunications, you have to – this is going like 80-20 on coaches because you are putting now people in the game that should not be playing. John Bostic should not play another snap this year. He shouldn't. He's bad. He's not a good player on the offense. Landon Collins is not a good player yet the coaches keep putting them in situations where they're supposed to make plays. The touchdown that to Cordero Patterson, do you know who John Bostick was guarding, Michael?
1: Somebody he shouldn't have been probably, but please proceed to tell me, brother.
0: Calvin Ridley. <laughs> so if Matt Ryan didn't want to go uh, to the Cordero Patterson-Kendall Fuller side, he could have went to Calvin Ridley on John Boston. That's a coaching mishap. 30 points to the Falcons. They went, they went, uh, Matt Ryan went 25 for 42 for 283, four touchdowns. Cordero Patterson, three touchdowns, five receptions for 82 yards, six carries for 34 yards. At some point, you just have to put it in your mind that this isn't going to work. This isn't what's going to get you going forward. Like, is it a coincidence that the defense became better once Landon Collins tore his Achilles last year? I don't think so. Put Cam Crow in the position he's supposed to be in. I don't know what's going on with Kendall Fuller. He just does not look like himself again. On top of that, go and look at William Jackson, the guy we play big money for. He, got, he gives you a PI every week. So at this point I am confused. Yeah. Again, two and two is whatever, but we saw with the Steelers last year that were 11 and 0 on the flukest 11 and 0 team of all time it It matters how you win these games, yeah, it's two and two, and if you're able to going forward make yourself better, the two and two does look a lot better um as you go through the season. You'd rather have a win than a loss, but man, Micah, I'm just super disappointed by this performance from the defense once again. but on the positive Taylor heineke, um, it's great. so let's go into specific breakdowns, so let's start with the offense let's start a little bit more positive. What did you like from the offense that you saw tonight?
1: they. Finally found a way to win on the perimeter and solely win on the perimeter. The run game wasn't all that today. Yes. um, If you look at stats alone, you'll see that there's about 28 carries that account for 122 and that's a beautiful sign that um, and also a sign of balance that the offensive split was about 33 to 28. Um, and that you'd be able to kind of split it this way and still have a good game so in theory it was a good game um on the inside and outside but really on the exterior of the field what you've seen was for one Terry McLaurin there's no reason why he should ever be left off of any list ever again top him not getting top 100 was crazy him not being considered a top 10 receiver at this point in crazy and him not being considered probably the best receiver in the NFC East is also a little bit crazy. We're seeing now that even when the ball is terrible, even when it's just a heave, even in situations where he shouldn't catch the ball, he's just catching the ball. 6 for 123 and two touchdowns when I mean one of those touchdowns was just a, a fluke kind of play like hey, we're just going to throw it up and he still made the play. And the other one was them attacking a um a cover 2 look which is really really good to see from the guy who's going to be your starting quarterback for the rest of the year, Taylor Heinicke is able to assess that. Um but that Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin connection, I mean, 13 targets was always where I say he needs to be that 13 or 16 range target wise. Keep feeding that man. He's going to produce. So that's good to see that. And we kind of knew that, of course, that Terry McLaurin was him, but it's nice to see that. Um, but also what I was really, really impressed by was if you're looking at stat wise, there's nobody else on the receiving. I know of exactly court. where you're
0: going with this. Too. Yeah. I know
1: exactly where you're going. Look, look, man, look, man. <laughs> nobody else on the receiver court really, you know did much i guess we're seeing a lot of um a lot of the same crap that we saw last year with with jd uh 544 that big one being that touchdown um but you know what i'm okay with what they did i'm okay with the fact that curtis samuel just brought something to the table it wasn't a lot you can tell he's a little bit rusty to say the least but him converting three third downs or two third downs or whatever the case might be was huge i mean it was only for 19 yards um and it's kind of weird that like everybody on the receiving court had 19 yards today. I don't know what's up with that, but 19 yard, whatever the case might be. But you can see what this offense can be if everything's firing on all cylinders with the pass game. Um, something of note that I saw was that yes, it was a rotating door, and yes, we really do miss um Logan Thomas out there because Ricky Seals Jones, I mean, as Ricky Seals Jones, he had that great flute catch, but there's a reason he was like your third tight end. Um, that's not necessarily the guy you want out there when you have Logan Thomas, so let's pray that he is okay. But something of note, and I think that. Going forward, they're going to have to really like, really utilize this. But the in routes, the dig routes in the middle of the field in this offense with the way they're kind of shifting motion and they're allowing, um, they're, well, excuse me, they're not allowing the defense to kind of be set in their base defense It's allowing a lot of middle of the field intermediate pass games. And I saw Matt Ryan absolutely destroy the, uh, the short to intermediate game today and literally almost win the game for the Falcons. I think that watching the football team team can do that I saw Deami Brown have a nice dig route or whatever the case might uh case may be it would have been a stop or whatever the case was but he sat right there in that hole and made a good play these are some of the things that's going to have to keep going because shout out Adam Humphries too that also made a catch um but these are the things that's going to have to keep going you're gonna have to win on the perimeter it is a passing league and if Taylor Heineke is going to be able to put up 293 touchdowns and no picks and only take up one sack on 23 out of 33 passing I think you have a winning formula there. So I really, really like the pass game today. I think that was uh, something that I didn't think was going to happen coming in, but it was one of the things that we mentioned needed to happen. They had to make use uh, or, you know, destroy actually the Falcons DBs and they did that. So shout out to them for executing a game plan unlike the other side of the ball.
0: So you touched on it a little bit there, Mike. The amount of targets that I want for Terry, like you said, 13 to 16 range is great. But Taylor also doesn't just automatically go to Terry. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we had, after Terry, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different pass catchers. So Taylor threw to nine different receivers in those four quarters. Everybody was able to contribute in some way. And that's what makes a uh, well-balanced offense. If you're going to put Terry in a situation where you're going to bracket him or you're going to make show sure that Taylor can't get it to him, he's perfectly fine going with the checkdown, which led to a touchdown. He's perfectly fine. Um, dumping it off to Curtis Samuel, which led to a bunch of first downs. So I am very impressed with Taylor's game. Another thing for me, Scott Turner, this offense at this point is churning. You went up against a tough Buffalo team and he kind of went off script because they were down so much he had to fully throw, but there is true balance in it. I know people want to see Gibby get more carries, but he did have an injury with the shin. He does have the shoulder so. Total and really quickly no and, re- and
1: really quickly on on that on the uh on ag and gibby's touches on his touches and stuff like that dude if you're getting 15 carries and you're catching about five to six passes that's 20 carries i mean we saw what can happen when you feed guys with carries i mean derrick henry had an absolute of, like 40 but if you're giving 20 if you're giving a your starting running back around 25 carries that's a winning formula I mean, 25 touches in a pass game and run game that's a winning formula
0: yeah and with that something about Scott, that I really like about his offense, his pass game is also an extension of the run. So that uh, the Curtis Samuel first down play comes into mind. Curtis was all down there by himself as essentially a check down, which was as good as a run play for them, getting them the three to four yards. So even though a play may not seem at the moment that it is um, like a run play, he has a lot of plays where you are getting your players out in space and able to beat somebody one on one. So I absolutely love everything about this offense. Only negative that I'll get for Taylor is that sometimes he does lock in where he thinks he can definitely make a play. And um the go route to Terry up the sideline comes to mind where he should have probably thrown that a little bit quicker. Or if he wasn't going to throw it quicker, then just go ahead and um look for somebody else. But besides that, I mean Taylor he just keeps getting it done. And at this point, I don't I don't know what else I have to say for him to for him to get that starting nod for the rest of the season because he's proven it each and every week. The offensive line. Michael, we said that one of these lines was going to be a top unit in this league. Coming into the season, everybody thought it was the B line. But I truly believe this offensive line is turning into a top five unit in the league. Sam Cosby is really good. Charles Leno has been really good. Flowers got beat one major play on the fourth down. But besides that, this line is just working really well cohesively. With Brandon Churn going down and West Schweitzer still coming in, they did not miss a beat on that final two-minute. You didn't think Taylor was ever in trouble. He was sitting down in the pocket for Mississippi, five Mississippi, multiple times, and was just able to execute. And that is something that if you're going to have a QB that's not as polished, if you give him all the time in the world, he will find that guy, and he will make it possible. So I'm really excited about this Washington um, O-line. Moving from there, Michael, we have to start with the negative. So... I do know that there is negative on the special teams, but I want to start with the positive on special team because you called this in training camp about DeAndre Carter. So just talk a little bit about
1: it. One thing about DeAndre Carter, and that's really interesting. A lot of, I guess, fuss was made for the idea that, you know, the kick return game needs to be improved. So one of the roster spots was obviously going to their special teams, somebody that they signed from the Texans, somebody that has shown that they can get it done. Although he didn't have a return touchdown until today, he's somebody that is able to execute returns, follow the um, follow the blockers and stay on script. One of the biggest things that goes wrong with kick returns, and you actually saw it. um, Really interesting little anecdote right here. So in the UMD versus Iowa game, you saw somebody, um, one of their best players actually get hurt on a failed return because he abandoned the return and he literally ran into three free rushers coming down in the lanes. That's how you get killed. And that's not what DeAndre Carter does. DeAndre Carter lets his block set up he found the lane and he absolutely shot through that lane and went to go score. That's something that I haven't personally seen in a really long time. They mentioned that Steven Sims return against the lions was probably the, uh, was the last return touchdown. And even Steven Sims never really followed his blocks like that. That was just more or so him of being a shifty guy and him going to score because he wanted it more. But I think you're seeing here right now, a guy who is a career returner, he's going to stay a career returner, but if you're good at that job, then you're going to have a job in the you're going to have a job in the NFL always, Regardless of what they try to do with kick returns, whether they try to eliminate them from the game, shorten the um distance you need to kick to get touchbacks or whatever the case might be, good returners always find a way to produce. And you saw today, DeAndre Carter did it, you know, something they absolutely needed at that juncture of the game, because I don't know what spark they would have had. I mean, yes, the third quarter was really good for the Washington football team as far as scoring-wise. But that jolt is always needed. You always need something to get that done. If he doesn't score that touchdown, we lose the game. It's as simple as that. So I love seeing that. And I'm sure you'll touch on the negatives, but I just love seeing that. That made me happy.
0: So DeAndre Carter, I think he's already booked himself a one-year contract for next year, too. As a returner, you don't have much of a responsibility, but you go ahead and you turn yourself into getting a touchdown. You're going to find yourself back here with the Washington football team next year. There are a couple of things where the punts were kind of questionable. I guess maybe not knowing where Young-Way Koo uh, Young was going to kick it and what, but those, there were a couple of punts there that he could have filled and given them 10, 15 yards. That can be cleaned up. But if he's going to be electric as a kick returner, trainer, he's on this team forever. Um, the other end. A guy that we talked about last year, I got that we talked about during training camp. A guy that we talked about during preseason. A guy that we talked about during the Giants game, if it wasn't for maybe or maybe not offsides, would be cut. He almost cost us another game today, Michael. Two extra points missed from Dustin Hopkins, not good at all. He's not hitting for 50-plus. I mean, if he's not hitting the extra points, what purpose does he play to this team at this point?
1: None, and he should be cut. But I don't know if he's going to be cut because – He's doing just the bare minimum enough to stay on the team, even though that's a cop-out, in my opinion. Um, this guy, if you're going to play losing football, then, I mean, you just doesn't, don't deserve to be on the team. I don't care about your seniority status as a kicker or how long you've been on the team. I don't care who's there in the past regime. I don't care what you've shown in the past, bro. It's about the now. If you're missing, if you're, if you're a lot, basically, to miss a kick a week at this point, you have to go, bro. There's nothing else about it. And missing extra points at that? Like, come on, bro. These are free. These are free. Literally, they're extra points. They're free. It is the one thing that you're basically guaranteed to make on a percentage, um, on a percentile-like note, and he's still finding a way to miss it. And something that Mark Sanchez today uh, said today on color commentary for Fox was really, really smart, and it's something that I didn't even necessarily notice until he pointed it out. All his misses are on either the left hash or in the middle of the field, and they're just missing Um, on the right side of the goalpost just missing every single time I don't know if it's his mechanics I don't know what it is that's been changing for him but he's kicking and shooting everything a little bit right and it could just I mean look man when something like that is happening from what I've seen just from being around special teams players and stuff like that that's more of a mental thing than it is anything else if you can't correct whatever you're correcting as far as you know your only job is to kick let's be real like if you can't let's say, point your toe a certain type of way, you're not getting the results you need, and it's the same thing where you keep missing it right, you're going to get fired. I've seen kids in college literally lose their kicking jobs because they can't do it. They keep making the same type of kicks and the same mistakes every time. There has to be, uh, I mean, honestly, there has to be a, a level of just realness about this. Like, look, this guy is not getting it done. I mean, he's got it done in the past or whatever the case might be, barely, but he's not getting it done now. And I mean, you really have to take a serious look at this because- if you're going to be playing this quasi competitive football and you're going to be in games, you're going to have to make kicks. And what good is a kicker? What good is a kicker on a 53 if you can't make kicks? So we'll see. But I think a move should be made here, really.
0: There will be competition next week for Dustin Hopkins. I don't think he's much longer for this team the way he's kicking. Honestly, it's, at this point, it's just very disappointing. Trust very good. He's been uh, great as always, all pro type of guy. So, special teams, there was good and bad. Offense, I think it was all good. There was, what, one three and out? So, mm-hmm. we're not going to be negative about anything there. The defense. Let's start with the D-line because I'm actually interested because I don't know where you may stand on this. What was your thoughts on the D-line and how they played today as a
1: unit? I'm a little bit torn about this now because after kind of just sitting with it and understanding, like, what's actually happening so they're technically like very very technically getting pressures and affecting what's happening on the field but it's almost just like they're not finishing plays and I think that's most adamant in that play where um, Chase Young got called for um, a rough in the pass or whatever the case might be or Matt Ryan it's a fourth and whatever he's kind of just out there the play's already done the play's broken down and instead of getting a clean sack and avoiding the penalty avoiding that stupid interception that Bobby McCain um, caught which is basically an arm punt he, like, shoves him with his, like, face mask and Matt Ryan, like, doesn't, like, do anything. And then Matt Ryan just kind of just falls to one knee and, like, throws it. And this is like, bro, this could have been all avoided had you just tackled a quarterback, like, a form tackle on a quarterback and done what you should have done. And that's my problem. The fact that they could disrupt whatever the case might be, they can get interior pressure, they could, you know, cause things off the edge that happen. maybe, um, you know, they can kind of here and there defeat some chips and, and get to them, you know, at least disrupt the pack, uh, the pocket a little bit, but there's nothing being done that is putting them over the edge and showing me or really showing the entire football league. that that should be feared. If you can control a D line that's supposed to be as good as they are to literally just getting what one tack, uh, one tackle and between the D line, pretty much like what? One, two, three, four TFLs. So one sack and four TFLs and 60 minutes of football, when you're supposed to be the best D line, That's an issue. Yes, the pressures are going to show a lot of other things, but not everybody has the access to advanced stats. Not everybody has the understanding to this. If you're looking out there and you're like, "Okay, this D-line is supposed to be something. Where is the D-line? well that's because they're actually not playing good and that's what it comes down to advanced stats can save you but what's happening out there is what we're seeing and we're not seeing much from them and like i said yes technically they're getting in there they're getting tackles they're causing quote-unquote havoc or whatever the case might be by being in the backfield but it's not adding much to the game right now and that's really the issue you would think that with all this talent it would add to the game and be a factor but they're a non-factor and i think it starts from really the bottom-up when it comes to them as far as just them being the the down linemen and going up. When they're failing, everybody is failing, and I think that's really the issue here.
0: I think the D-line play like shit. You have a quarterback that's not mobile, a quarterback that's going to hold, that's going to try to uh, hold the ball for a a minute when he throws downfield, and you get, like you said, one sack.
1: Went untouched. Four
0: tackles for loss. Matt Ryan in 2021 went untouched. I understand that there was the uh, quick game and everything, but quickly, Michael, let me just go back to the Falcons loss to the Eagles where it was 32 to six. It wasn't even close in that game. The Eagles as a team, they Matt Ryan was 21 for 35 for 164 sacked three times for 28 yards. The Eagles' D-line was able to do that to him. So if the Washington football team against a very immobile quarterback is not able to apply pressure, there's no hope. Because the secondary is not going to bail you out ever. They're bad. They're not going to give you any chance to uh, be bailed out. So at this point, you're looking at yourself and like, hey, I don't know where we go from here. I don't think the D-line played great. I don't think Chase Young was amazing. I mean, the On uh, roughing the passer, we can go back and forth on it, sack the guy. Exactly. Exactly. So whether it was roughing the passer, whether it was a terrible call, he still had the ball in his hand, sack him. I don't know what the two-hand touch he was doing, but that doesn't work. Montez Sweat, he's very good on those run plays where he is breaking up um, run plays going over to the side where they're pitching it to him and he can quickly get around either a tight end or a tackle and blow it up for a three, four-yard loss. Besides that, I wasn't really impressed with anything that I saw. It's getting to a point where I don't even know what the issue may be and how the D-line that was so good last year can be so bad this year. From the D-line, let's go to the linebackers in the secondary and put them together, Michael. How do, How is there a fix to this? Is there anything you could do to fix this secondary? It, Fuller looks terrible. William Jackson is getting the P.I. on every play. Tory McTyre, who... Had to be thrusted into uh, playing today because they decided to cut Jimmy Moreland and Benjamin Sage just got a concussion. So now Tory McTyre is going to play instead of Kendall Fuller playing and having your guy, Jimmy Morlin in the slot. But that's besides the point. He was bad. What do you do with the secondary at this point?
1: Just a little quick note before I get into that. Tory McTyre also had to get Carter off the field after that heave, my Matt Ryan, at the end of the game. So, you know, <laughs> we're getting the choice. Yeah, wait, 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 yeah, wait, 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 bro. Wait. Yeah. Yes, Tory McTyre got carted off, bro. I promise you. Like it, it was something it's that I noticed. Tory
0: McTroy Troy Apes McTyre's Carter is off. That it, leaves you with yeah. Troy Apkey yeah. playing. And this is the number one thing you wanted to avoid was having yep. Troy Apke play significant snaps. Like I don't under like I don't understand what the coaches were thinking with cutting a guy like Jimmy Morland. Because you put yourself in a position now where if you think your defense is bad. Wait till Troy Ackby gets in secondary, and you really see how bad a defense
1: can be. Wait till Troy Ackby is playing corner, which is he got fired from being a free safety, and he runs a 4-3. Imagine him trying to be a corner. It's just, look, this is getting really, really bad. I mean, Benjamin Say Juice hopefully will be back next week, but this is getting in terrible shit show territory, if we're being honest. But let's get to the game and what they actually did. A shit show as well less i mean is this the analysis here is that they are bad i don't know what they could do like i like i saw them i saw them play certain passes really well today and it just got bad bro like I, I saw them be able to communicate somewhat i saw some pre-snap stuff where they're talking it's still bad i don't know what is the answer with them i really really don't i mean i was on the players um you know, and putting it on the players for that effort. And I still think that effort is a thing, but at times I saw decent effort. It was just that the skill level was not where I thought it would be. I, I did think that they had to fill in, you know, some needs with the skill. And I thought that they did on paper take steps up from last year, but it's really looking like, and maybe it's a, a scheme thing as well, that they're getting asked to put in situations where, they're going to have to make plays on the ball and really, you know, be smart and not force contact and get dumb penalties. And they're doing everything that they're not supposed to do. They're being really handsy. They're not looking at the ball um, and avoiding PIs, which is putting the defense in a really bad spot. And when they finally do play good coverage, either they're a not making a tackle B. I mean, they're just getting like I said, they're out there just flat out getting mauls, or C, which is really um. Uh, The worst kind of thing here is that they're just not good enough to stop them, and that's what's going on right now. I mean, William Jackson, outside of that one pick this year to start the season, what has he done? Coverage-wise, I haven't seen him make much plays. Kendall Fuller, he's getting abused any way you line him up. It doesn't matter anymore. He can be outside. He can be inside. It just doesn't matter. He's getting abused out there. Busyman St. Juice didn't play but he's going to have to step up a little bit which sucks you don't want your third round rookie who is playing corner that have to be in a situation where he has to step up but it's going to have to happen because there's no there's really no saving here i mean i haven't even mentioned the safeties because there's nothing of note for them to do landon collins if you're going to be out there missing tackles bro and your whole game here is supposed to be a run stopping run support safety and you're not doing that then what are you doing on the on the 53 cam curl i don't necessarily ever have an issue with what cam curl is doing it's just He's not flashing because he's not getting put in a position that Lana Collins is currently not, taking he's right now. Not where he's
0: it's supposed it's to Exactly, be, like...
1: exactly. It's because it's exactly that, Mike. It's because he's not in a position where he's supposed to be, where he will make plays because we saw him when he's out there in a position he will, he's supposed to, uh, supposed to play this year, make plays. And then Bobby McCain, I mean, once again, you don't ever want to see or hear your free safety's name a lot, but that arm punt him catching that arm part was literally stupid i don't know what i mean i guess i do understand as a db that you know you kind of just be greedy and see the ball but bro like be smarter than that you're supposed to be the veteran he is the veteran here right now and he's not playing like it so just in total and just i guess the the sum of everything that's going on man this db room i don't know i don't know what they could do and that's the worst part It's not the fact that they need to change the coverages or whatever. I saw them play match zone and stuff like that. Like, I've seen them switch it up to man. I've seen them go quarters. Nothing works. Literally, nothing works. And when nothing works, you got to just got to pray that something gets fixed because I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think they know either. They're trying to find it out and it's just not working out for them, bro.
0: Yeah, it's not. Honestly, we've talked about it for so many weeks now. It's like we feel like we're repeating ourselves and we are but we don't have anything else to talk about because each and every game is the same thing. On a side note, I do want to know uh, in the rewatch, I mentioned it when I was watching the game to myself, but there was a lot of James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhel. Way too much for my liking. I don't know if Chase and Montez still don't have their um, their wind up, but they play a lot of snaps. And big third downs. James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhel are, are on the field. I don't know why. If this was the case, you might as well keep Ryan Kerrigan in the rotation because he is gonna get those snaps. You, well, like, you
1: might as well you might as well keep Ryan Anderson and Ryan Kerrigan. You apologize to Ryan Anderson for not playing them. You pay him whatever money he wants, and you do the same thing for Ryan Kerrigan. Cause once again, you mentioned it. Why is Casey Tuhill and Jane Smith Williams out there? Who is Casey Tuhill? As you just said, bro, why is he out here playing? snaps especially on third downs this like bro if you're going to do a rotation here if you want to for some reason for it seems apparent that Montez Sweat and Chase Young are not in game shape somehow or the wind is not up maybe it's a COVID thing who knows what it is but if you're going to be in a situation where these guys are missing pivotal downs screw with them don't let them play second downs whatever you have to do put them on first let them have a breather bring them in on third it sounds dumb it sounds idiotic but what's worse What's even more idiotic is not having your best pass rushes on third down and this team being literally like one of the worst third down teams I've ever seen. That's idiotic. That's losing football. So they got to do something about that, bro.
0: Yeah. And before we go, Micah, I want to, and part of the reason I wanted to rewatch and I wanted to hear the press conference, Bobby McCain talked after uh, the game. And he said to the Washington football media, they were asking about a conversation that they had, um, the conversation that the secondary had with each other after they gave up the big touchdown. And he said, yeah, I know exactly what the conversation was about, but I'm not going to tell you guys because you guys aren't on my side. I respect what you do, but defensively, we'll get it together. We meet and we're going to figure out the details. And, we, and when we start balling and we start playing our asses off, I want y'all to write the same shit that y'all write. Is he mad at the media because they've been playing like terrible? Like, what exactly does he want? What does he want the Washington, the Washington Football Media to say? Like, Bro, you guys have been playing bad. Do you want us to say, "Well, they'll get it together"? No, well,
1: that's, not that's the the last thing they need is coddling at this point, and they need to have the very real truth set to them every single play con- uh, press conference. If I'm the media at this point, I'm not creating a situation um like the Met, like you know, like uh, like other teams that have. like I remember the Mets this year kind of being against really everything that had to do with anti-Met stuff. Um, But you don't want a situation like that where it's a player's revolt or them being um, snarky with the media and the fans. But the the accountability here comes from the media. Like, if they're being asked to speak every day, practices, um, you know, game prep and stuff like that, then the media should be the ones that's getting on them because media has some of the best access, especially if you're in that press conference room, if you have the ability to ask questions, you're watching this from a lens. You're watching this from... The start of training camp all the way through the end of the season, these are the guys that are gonna hold you accountable. And I mean, yes, I understand being mad at um, you know, the media, I guess. But I mean, are you just are you are you mad at your coaches as well for putting you in bad situations? are they, are your coaches holding you, you accountable? Are you mad at yourself? Do you care enough? That's the question that need to, you know, that that's the question that needs to be asked. I mean, it's kind of alarming. Like once again, I mentioned that Bobby McCain is supposed to be. I mean, he doesn't have this captain's patch, but He's one of the oldest players on the team, by the fact, though, just the fact that he's pushing 30. Like, this is like this situation, this stuff here, bro, this is something that happens to bad teams. And this is how you see bad teams fall apart. This just can't happen. I mean, I understand that we're kind of, um, you know, pushing at this and poking at this little thing right here. But I think it's indicative of what's happening to this defense as a whole. I don't know if they're allowing themselves to really take the criticism and be real with themselves it's a little bit delusion going on, bro. And I mean, what good is delusion in the game of football? You, you have to be real about yourself. Or you'll never improve. So maybe this is why they're not improving. Who knows? We'll see. But it is something to know. And I'm glad you brought it
0: up. Yeah, it's disheartening. I just hope they get it together. We're going to be back on Thursday to talk Saints, to talk Washington football team, which the Saints lost to the Giants. And I guess you could say we were competitive with the Giants. So, we may be competitive, but the way things are going right now with this Washington football team, I'm not confident and not confident in anything on the defensive side of the ball. On the other hand, the offense is starting to churn, and J.P. Finley on the Washington Post game um, show said that he talked to Logan Thomas, and he thinks he'll be back next week. There were a bunch of injuries, though. We don't know what the status of uh, Diami Brown, Brandon Sheriff, um, uh, John Bossick, who was out questionable. So... With those issues, we have to figure out what exactly is going on there. But we got the win, I guess. <laughs> so that's, oh man! I guess that's a positive. Right. Uh, we're two and two, but we got to figure it out for Mike and for Micah. We'll see you on Thursday night as we preview Washington football versus the New Orleans State. Peace.
1: Peace.